Welcome once again to Maple Grove Covenant Church. So glad that you're with us this morning as we continue our series entitled, Grow. Because all of us want to grow. None of us want to decline. All of us want to grow financially. That's why we budget and save. All of us want to grow intellectually. That's why we take classes and read books. All of us want to grow relationally. That's why we invest our time in family and friends. And all of us want to grow spiritually. But sometimes we don't know how. Or sometimes we don't put to practice the things that can help us grow in our relationship with God. When I was in kindergarten, my kindergarten teacher taught me how plants grow. She gave us each a styrofoam cup. And she opened up the activity table where we saw a pile of dirt, a bag of seeds, a light, and a pitcher of water. And she let each of us kindergarten students fill our cup with dirt, place a seed at the top just under the soil, and then we watered it, we put it in the light, and we watched it grow. Because there are four main, five main elements necessary for organic growth. We need seed water, soil, and what's the last one? Sunshine. We need light. We need certain elements to help plants grow. Well, the same is true in our spiritual life, that God uses certain elements to help our faith grow. And last week we learned about the seed. The seed is the word of God. That God's word is a message that Jesus Christ came to live and die only to rise again to conquer sin and death. It's a message, but it's more than a message. It's a seed. It has power inside of it to cause growth. And last week we left the service wanting to read and memorize and meditate and listen to God's word because God's word helps us grow. And last week we learned about the seed, and this week we're going to learn about the soil. The second element necessary for spiritual growth. Last week we talked about how there are four types of seed. There are seeds that are on the path, then on the rocky soil, the weeds, and the good soil. And this week we're going to learn how to cultivate the soil of our soul so that we can grow in our faith. And on, just to get us started, I asked a, our very own soil scientist to describe the nature of soil and soil cultivation. Check out this video. Soil is a collection of minerals, liquids, gases, and organic matter that make up what you see beneath your feet. And what makes it good for growing plants are correct balances of all of those things I just said, of different minerals, of different nutrients. All of those balances are important to what make a soil good. When you look at soil, you're seeing a zoomed out image. You're seeing a starry sky from the ground. You're seeing something that has many complexities. You're seeing something that has minute variations from inch to inch of soil. When I look at soil, I see life. It's almost unseen to the naked eye, 
but there's a lot of life going on in that black dirt that you walk on. Balances of minerals, balances of nutrients, water, and even of microorganisms all create soil that's good for growing plants. And those plants are able to grow because of the life inside the soil. We need to cultivate soil because it doesn't come ready-made for growth. Nature has its own idea of what soil is to become. Different environments will create different soils for different areas. It gets it ready, but we have a part to play in adjusting minute variables in the soil that make it support life well. The best way to cultivate soil is to learn about the attributes of the soil itself. No two soils are going to be the exact same. They will all require different adjustments to the soil's nutrients, to the soil's minerals, to even the water levels. But every single one of those soils will require care and attention. You have to get your hands a little dirty to get the soil ready for growth. If we don't cultivate soil, it can starve from lack of food, it can thirst from lack of water, or it can be choked by weeds and become stunted and die. In the parable of the sower, Jesus describes us as the soil. But soil does not come ready-made for growth. You have to get your hands dirty in order for soil to grow, in order for seeds to grow. If we don't cultivate the soil, the seed will not grow. So it is in our spiritual life. If we don't cultivate the soil of our soul, if we don't get our hands dirty and participate in our spiritual growth, we'll never grow. When I was in college, I came across the book, The Celebration of Discipline. And when I first saw this book, I was like, what? Celebration of Discipline? Why would we want to celebrate discipline? Discipline is hard. It's uncomfortable. It actually hurts. How, why would we want to celebrate discipline? Then I read the book, and I learned about the spiritual disciplines worth celebrating. Disciplines or spiritual practices like daily Bible reading, prayer, fasting, solitude, silence, worship, and giving. And I started doing them. I started reading my Bible daily, praying more often, attending worship services, giving regularly, getting my hands dirty. I cultivated the soil of my soul. And I started to grow. Because that's what happens with discipline. When we discipline, it starts out hard and uncomfortable and painful, but then it becomes a habit. And the habit becomes a lifestyle. And the lifestyle becomes a joy, something worth celebrating because we see growth and development in our lives. If we save money, eventually our money starts to grow. If we exercise, we get stronger. That's the way discipline works. It's initially hard and uncomfortable, but eventually it becomes 
a habit, and the habit becomes a lifestyle, and the lifestyle becomes a joy because there's progress in our life because soil does not come ready-made for growth. And that's why I'm so glad that Jesus taught three specific spiritual disciplines because soil does not come ready-made for growth, that at whatever spot you're at in your spiritual journey, we all can cultivate the soil of our soul so that our faith will grow. If you have your Bibles, I'd love for you to turn to Matthew chapter 6, verse 1, page 960 in your pew Bibles. The words will also be on the screen, but as you're turning there, let me remind you that Jesus begins with a warning about the spiritual practices. He says, before you start to cultivate the soil of your soul, before you start to engage in these spiritual disciplines, I need to give you a warning about what not to do when it comes to the spiritual practices, to cultivating the soil of your soul so that you will grow. And in Matthew chapter 6, verse 1, we read this. Be careful. Not to do your acts of righteousness, spiritual disciplines before men. Be careful, Jesus begins. Be on your guard against empty religion. Because your acts of righteousness, your spiritual practices can be done the wrong way. To be seen by men. To impress others. To look good on the outside, but empty on the inside. So be careful, be alert. Don't do your acts of righteousness, your spiritual disciplines. Don't get your hands dirty in your spiritual life to be seen by men. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. There's a right way and a wrong way to cultivate the soil of your soul. And if you do it the wrong way, you'll not get a reward from your heavenly Father, which is quite fascinating. That according to Jesus, there's a reward, a payment, a wage, a remuneration for work done. It's the Greek word misthos. Let me hear you say misthos. Misthos means reward, payment remuneration for work done. Apparently, there's a reward for everyone that practices the spiritual disciplines. And then Jesus gives three spiritual disciplines to help cultivate the soil in our soul so that our faith will grow. There are plenty more, but Jesus focuses on three spiritual disciplines that we can do today to help our faith grow. When you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues, and on the streets to be honored by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. Notice Jesus does not say if, but when. When you give to the needy, because all of us at some point in our lives give to the needs of others. Just about everybody helps somebody sometime, but sometimes we give in the wrong way. Maybe you didn't know that. Maybe you didn't know that there are ways of giving that are wrong. Maybe you just thought that 
any dollar amount is good, that God can use anything that I give, but according to Jesus, we can give the wrong way. Back in the day of Jesus, when people would go into the synagogues or the temple, there would be the poor and the lame and the blind sort of lined up into the entrance of their place of worship. And as a devout Jew would enter into the place of worship, they would give alms to the poor, to the lame, and the blind. That's just what they did back then. They would enter into a worship place, give alms, and apparently some people would give with pomp and circumstance, even trumpets. They would give in some loud and exuberant way. And they received, according to Jesus, their reward. Jesus goes on to say, but when you give, when you give to the needy, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Maybe you've heard that metaphor before. Don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. It simply means don't congratulate yourself when you give. Don't say, wow, look at what my right hand is doing. My right hand just gave $50 to that poor lame blind guy. Did you see that? Did you see I am somebody? I am somebody because I can give to the needs of the poor. Jesus says, don't congratulate yourself when you give. Because oftentimes that's what we do. We elevate ourselves above those that we give to. We think our giving is about feeding the hungry or clothing the naked or caring for the poor, but it's not. According to Jesus, it's fundamentally a matter of faith. So do not give to the poor to feel better about yourself. Instead, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. There's that word again, misthoughts. Reward, payment, wage. And whenever you read a word in the Bible that's repeated oft over and over, pay attention to that word. Because apparently Jesus wants us to know that there's a reward for all who practice the spiritual discipline of giving. But Jesus doesn't tell us what the reward is. He doesn't go into great detail except to tell us that our heavenly Father will reward us for giving to the needs of others, for cultivating the soil of our soul through giving. But giving is only one way to cultivate our soul and grow in our relationship with God. It's the first one that Jesus mentions and maybe the most important one, but it's not the only one. Jesus continued. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. Sound familiar? When you pray, once again, Jesus says, Don't go out in the crowds. Jesus says, when you pray, not if. When you pray, 
Don't go out in the crowds because apparently back in Jesus' day, people prayed standing in the synagogues and in the street corners. Later, we read how they babbled, meaning that they used many words. Their prayers went on and on and on and on. And Jesus says, don't do that. Don't try to impress people with your prayers. Don't keep saying the same thing over and over and over again. Don't repeat the same prayer at dinner or at bedtime. Don't see church as the only time that you pray publicly because sometimes we can go through the motions. And if you do that, according to Jesus, you'll receive your reward. You'll receive your reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Go into your room, close the door, and pray to your heavenly Father. This is how Jesus instructs us to pray. He says, I don't want you to stand in the public worship service. I don't want you to repeat things over and over again. I don't want you to say the same things at prayer or at the dinner table. When you pray, Jesus said, go into your room, a place that's dedicated for prayer. Close the door. Get alone and quiet. And then talk to your heavenly Father. Let God know what's going on inside you. Have a personal, private conversation with your heavenly Father. Jesus does not say never pray publicly. He says pray privately first. Because when you do, when you pray privately, personally, then your Father who sees what is done in secret will re... What's that word there? Reward you. Misthas you, pay you. Jesus repeatedly tells his disciples that there is a reward for all who practice the spiritual disciplines. There's a payment as a result of all who cultivate the soil of the soul. But he doesn't describe the reward. He doesn't give much detail about the reward. He doesn't tell us how it will feel when we receive the reward. Or does he? Because there's another word that's repeated in this passage on spiritual growth. It's a a word repeated eight times, twice as much as the word reward. Anybody know what the word might be? Father. Heavenly Father. Father in heaven. See, all who practice the spiritual disciplines receive a reward. But not everyone receives the same award. All who give and pray receive their reward in full. But the type of reward depends on your relationship with God. Because sometimes people see God as a judge. Sometimes people see God as a judge, that God is a judge and I am the sinner and I am a terrible, no good, very bad person. There's nothing I can do. I am just terrible. And therefore I do good things to get God to like me. 
I, I try to, to feel good about myself, to win approval of God and others, and we try really hard by praying and giving and serving others, and we receive our reward in full. We feel good about ourselves and affirmed by others. And that's exactly what the religious people did in Jesus' day. They prayed all the time. They fasted regularly. They followed the rules. They gave their money. They did their spiritual practices to be seen by men, to boost their fragile self-image, and they received their reward in full, the praise of men. Their relationship with God was like your relationship with your boss. Now, there's nothing wrong with having a relationship with your boss. It's just radically different than your relationship with your father. See, a boss hires an employee for a job. And if the employee does the job well, they receive a reward, a payment, a promotion based on a job performance. But a father begins a relationship with a child based on a choice. Either through adoption or birth, a father chooses to enter into a relationship with a child not based on the child's performance. And then the father invests his time and money and energy into the child. And he invests more of his time and money and energy into his child. And then he invests more and more and more of his money and time and energy into his child. Regardless of how the child responds, one relationship is based on performance. The other relationship is based on grace. And Jesus taught his disciples not to relate to God as your boss, but as your father. Because all who practice the spiritual disciplines receive a reward. One receives the praise of men. One receives a deeper faith in God. And maybe that's why Jesus taught his disciples to pray. Our Father. Our Father who art in heaven, holy is your name. Our Father, our Dad, the one that created me, the one that loves me, the one that chose to send his son, the one that adopted me into his family, not because of what I have done or failed to do, but because of what Jesus has done for me. Our Father, holy is your name. Perfect is your name. Blessed is your name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I surrender myself to you, Heavenly Father, because you have my best interest in mind. You can see the beginning from the end. I trust you. I love you because you've adopted me into your family. I surrender myself to you. Your will above my will. I want your will to be done in my life, my family, and my world. 
Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Most of our prayers begin with asking. And that's not a bad thing. We ask for all the areas that we need in our lives. But Jesus begins his prayer by saying, Dad, Father, our Father. And he instructs us to talk to God the exact same way as God is our Father. And to pray to God, not because we're supposed to, not because we have to, not to get God to like us, but because he already likes us, because he already loves us, because he already sent his son to die for us so that we might have a relationship with God that's personal and intimate, like a father to a child. And that's how we practice the spiritual disciplines. We pray and we give and our faith begins to grow. And sure, it's awkward at times to go into your room and close the door and talk to an unsee God. And sure, it's a little bit uncomfortable to pull out your wallet and to give to to God because you don't know where it's going or how it's going to be. Sure, it's a little bit hard and challenging, but then it becomes a habit and the habit becomes a lifestyle and the lifestyle becomes a joy because you see your faith growing in God as your father. I'd like to introduce you to Brett Germany. Brett is a new member to Maple Grove Covenant Church. He and his wife, Robin, and their two boys moved up here from Oklahoma. And Brett works as a medical doctor. And I asked Brett to come up here and share a bit of his faith story. Would you please join me in welcoming Brett Germany? Thank you. You can sit down there, yeah. So, Brett, um, thanks for uh, your willingness to come and share a little bit of your story. Yes, yeah, sure. I, uh, I always know it's a little bit uh, nerve-wracking, but why don't you just kind of take us back to your growing up years. What was faith like for you when you were growing up? Uh, well, I grew up in uh, southern Oklahoma near the Texas border, and I attended church uh, fairly regularly. And I, the seed was planted uh, pretty early in my life. I um, uh, decided to follow Christ at age nine. Uh, but it was superficial. I, God was boss. I knew all the rules. Uh, don't drink, don't smoke, don't chase girls that do. Um, and so God was definitely boss. I followed the rules. I was a good boy. Um, however, it was, it was really superficial. So growing up, kind of uh, a rule follower, good guy, and, uh, and then some things changed in your relationship. And why don't you tell us a bit about that? Uh, yes. In the third year of uh, medical school, my uh, sister, Daylene, uh, was killed in a car wreck. Um, after that time, I became very angry with God. And growing up in the church, I didn't feel like you could be angry with God. And so I withdrew. I, I blocked out the sun, uh, to the seed, basically, and uh, moved away from church, didn't pray, didn't read the Bible. Uh, but then after um, my wife and I had uh, children of our own, we uh, wanted them to be in church. And after gentle prodding from my wife, who's very patient, uh, 
I did return to church and started uh, reading about King David. And in Acts uh, 13, verse 22, uh, God calls David a man after his own heart. And when you read the Proverbs and uh, about David, he wasn't always uh, in line with God. He had his faults. He uh, cried before God. He danced before God. He was angry at times with God. Uh, but God always loved him. And I realized uh, through that time that God was bigger than my anger with him and that he wanted to love me. And so once I started praying again, and a lot of those first prayers were very emotional, uh, me yelling at God and telling him that I was angry. And he was able to work through that and deal with that and show me that he loved me as a father loves his son. And that he, his desire for all of us is that, uh, that we stay in a relationship. And just as we become angry with our own fathers, uh, as long as we keep that dialogue open, then he's willing and ready to work with us and to love us through that. What I love about your story is that you, you got real with God. You weren't hiding. You weren't pretending. You were sharing truly what was going on inside. And through that dialogue, you connected with God and then returned to some of these spiritual practices. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? Yes, uh, returning, I I did start praying with God. And through that, uh, my prayers became uh, a continual conversation with God throughout the day, uh, telling him how my day was going, uh, telling him my joys, my fears, uh, and setting aside a special time to read uh, the Bible, and when I did read the Bible uh, daily, then God was able to use that and speak uh, to me and show me uh, those verses and how they applied to my life throughout the day. Uh, also, with the giving, um, you know, growing up in the South, uh, giving is kind of based on how good the uh, sermon is that week. <laughs> I'm glad it's not that way in the North. <laughs> Uh, but, you know, God uh, convicted us of uh, if we trust him with our salvation, then uh, he also wants us to trust us with his money. But that took a change in, uh, in, our, in the way I had to think about money. And during that time, as I've already said, my wife is a very patient person. I had a business that uh, didn't do so well. It uh, was having a lot of financial difficulties. And we started tithing. We went to the Dave Ramsey uh, uh, course on financial peace, and so we started giving. And at first, it was very hard uh, to write those checks and to trust God with your money. But as we did, it became more of a habit, and then it became just something we do. And now God is able to bless us and, and prompt us when he's ready for us to give, and uh, we know that we're going to be blessed. Uh, by either seeing how he works with that or uh, just knowing that he's using that to his, uh, his glory. And, you know, it took a change of seeing money as not ours, but a resource that he has given. And what we're doing is just returning to him. And so your faith has grown yes. as a result of engaging in prayer and giving. And it took some time. You started off maybe slowly and then gradually started to pray more and give more and engage more in these spiritual disciplines. And as a result, your faith is alive. 
Yes, uh, I wouldn't say that this happened overnight. It, it's been a continual journey, and it's uh, it's continuing even as we speak. You know, um, but God uh, wants to work with us, and He wants to be in that relationship. So I know that there are some folks that maybe have tried prayer and then and then sort of not engaging prayer or tried giving and not really giving. What would you share? How would you encourage someone that may be skeptical about? prayer or giving? You know, I would uh, say just start. Um, You've got to just start and not get upset with yourself if you uh, miss a day and to start again the next day. And it's kind of, now that I have kids, it's kind of like uh, brushing your teeth. You tell them every night to go and brush their teeth and you have to tell them again the next night, go and brush your teeth. And you keep doing that and after a while, it becomes a habit, and then it just becomes a routine. It's what you do. Yeah. And, you know, reading the Bible, there's lots of resources out there now. Uh, if you have a smartphone, uh, I encourage you to get a Bible app. Uh, there, there's plenty of them out there, and uh, they have daily plans, and it will prompt you even to uh, read and to spend that time with God. So just try it. Just try it. You know, don't don't... You don't have to do it perfectly. You don't have to have everything done exactly right. But just try. I mean, what have you got to lose? Exactly. God already loves you. He's already adopted you as his heavenly, you know, as, as, your, as your child. So why not pray? Why not give? Why not engage in these disciplines that he's given to us to connect with him? And like you said, it starts out as work. It's hard to do at first, but then you uh, become it becomes easier and easier. Let's give it up for Mr. Brett, Dr. Brett Germany. <laughs> a plant needs four main elements for growth, water, seed, light, and soil. And the same is true for spiritual growth. God uses certain elements to help our faith grow. The first is the seed. It's the word of God. And as we read and meditate and internalize God's word, that seed is planted in us and we start to grow. And the second is the soil. And the soil is us. The soil is is our lives. And God gives us opportunity to cultivate the soil of our soul so that we might grow. And so the invitation for us this week is to just try it. To try praying. To practice the spiritual discipline of prayer because prayer is essentially about one of our most precious assets, time. We all have a limited amount of time. And the challenge this week is to give the first few minutes of your time to God. Then when you get up in the morning, after you take a shower and eat breakfast, before you grab your phone, go into your room, close the door, And pray to your Heavenly Father to say to Him what's going on inside. To connect with Him as the one that adopted you into His family through the death and resurrection of Jesus. Connect with God in prayer. And the second invitation is to give because giving is not about money. It's about faith. And God knows that we all have a limited amount of money and we want to spend it well. And the best way to spend our, our hard-earned money is to give. 
our first few dollars to the Lord to set aside a certain percentage of our income every week for God's purposes. I know it's hard. I know it might be difficult. But when you begin to give, he does a work inside your heart so that your faith in him grows. That's why Jesus gave us these two spiritual disciplines. And he invites us to give our first few minutes of the day to him and to give the first few dollars of our income to him so that he can use that to develop our relationship with God, our Heavenly Father. Often when I'm interacting with my young daughters, I ask them two questions. I say, kid, hey, who loves you? And they'll say, you do. And I'll ask them, why do I love you? And they'll answer, because I'm your daughter. And I'll respond, and you'll always be my daughter, and I'll always love you. And that's exactly how God relates to us. You'll always be my daughter. You'll always be my son, and I'll always love you. And we don't practice the spiritual disciplines to get God to love us. We practice them because God already loves us. He's already accepted us. He's already adopted us into his family. But as we pray, as we go into our room and we close the door, we connect with our Heavenly Father. And as we give, we participate in his work in the world and our faith grows. So Heavenly Father, I thank you for this time that we can open up your word. And I ask that you would do a work among us to engage us more fully in our faith that the seed of the word would grow deep roots and that you would enable us to cultivate the soil of our soul so that our faith will grow. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.